she's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And, and this, this is, is Far Out. Out. A podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. If I'm going to pay, maybe you shouldn't have got the uh, sirloin steak. <laughs> you know, like what the hell? And as we exited the restaurant, I heard this voice behind us like, hey, hey. And, and I it was the restaurant manager. He hadn't paid and we were leaving. This was my neighbor restaurant. I have to say, I love it when I hear you talking numbers. <laughs> I hear you on the, on the phone with your clients talking numbers and <laughs> We say money conscious, a lot of people would say cheap. <laughs> We're money conscious. My dad simulated the stock market when I was eight. <laughs> I was buying Disney shares at eight. Because <laughs> Pixar was coming out and it was going to be huge. And it was. Uh, good investment, eight-year-old Alistair. I go back and forth in the same day in the morning. I'll be like, let's just pull everything together. By noon, I'm like, no. I'm working for this money. I'm spending all the hours. It should be mine and mine only. <laughs> My precious. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Far Out Podcast. Hello, everybody. We are so happy that you're joining us. Thank you for taking the time to listen. You are going to love this episode. What are we talking about today, Alistair? This week, we're talking about money. Specifically, we're talking about how we manage our finances as a couple. Shockingly, we have a lot to say about this. Yeah, yeah. Money conscious forever, baby. <laughs> Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Good morning, good morning, good morning. No, not again. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about maybe making that my thing, you know? You know? I think you should, yeah. yeah. I'm good trying. call. I'm good trying. call. Hello, Alistair. Good morning, Julie Roxanne. <laughs> and hi to you, listening to us wherever you are. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Make yourselves at home. Mm -hmm. We have a couple updates before we get into this episode. Just so you know, if you uh, if you like to know this, I'm drinking pineapple mate. Alistair, you're drinking... Well, it's pineapple green tea mate. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm having babushka black tea. The famous, and we have no incense today. I think something happened. Oh boy! No. I think no, no. I think I'm gonna light some right now. No. Yeah. <laughs> so we're fine. Alistair lit some incense. We're good to go. Yeah, we're back now. All right. Spiritual a few updates. Healing. Spiritual healing. Yes. The incense today. <laughs> a few updates to yeah. begin this episode. So update number one. We got the pet Fatty Patty. Oh my god. Okay, if you don't know who Fatty Patty is, first of all, come on, what? And second of all, it's the poulette, which is the hen. She's a black fatty hen. That She's is the fattest of the bunch. Yeah. She runs the fastest. She always butts out her neighbors to get to the food first. <laughs> She's very greedy when it comes to food. Alistair's been trying to pet her for the last two months. Yeah. Which is the length we've lived here. Yeah, and we've slowly gotten into her good graces because we feed her oats every day. And today, she let me pet her. Yeah, she actually exciting. walked right into his arms yeah. when we opened the chicken coop. Yeah. Oh, my God. And she was so soft. Oh, yeah, yeah, she is. She is. That's a big update. I'm glad we could share it with you guys. Thank you. Update number two is we spent about 150 bucks on board games. <laughs> Not that long ago. Christmas gifts, no? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. We got some Amazon gift cards, and uh, we blew it all on board games. Woo! So we got a few. Uh, we've been playing Jaipur, which is this like Indian trading card game. It's a pretty simple game. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And we've been playing. Uh, so we have Pandemic Legacy Season Two. We're not there yet. Yeah. Because we played Pandemic Season One with my brother and his wife last summer and we did a binge like over two weeks or something that was amazing we finished a full season which can take a year it's like 12 games and we did it over the course of four days yeah we were zombies i, I would get up at like six in the morning and then turn on music and then wake everyone up <laughs> <laughs> and we just get into it we would start playing right away in case you didn't know already alistair can get pretty intense about 
pretty much everything, but board games really activate his brain and he gets really into them. Yeah, especially well-narrated board games and Pandemic Legacy is a brilliant one. It's awesome. We got another brilliant one. I like it a little bit more than you do. <laughs> it's called Arkham Horror, the card game. And it's in the like Lovecraftian world. I didn't know who this was before, so if you don't, it's okay. But she does like these kind of like horror, 1920s horror world. Is that a woman? I think, I no, maybe it's not. See, I don't even know. I don't, but, I don't know. But it's like a kind of iconic style of, I, I think, but there's books and uh, artwork and stuff. And it's just like kind of 1920s world of horror. And they have a card game. It's amazing. It's, okay, so first off, it took us like three hours just to read the rules and get started, which you were not happy about. No, I was and not. And I, I had to like manage you and be like, no, we're going to play. It's going to be okay. <laughs> it was a little tense for a little while. But it's an amazing game. And the story is incredible. You, you basically, you go in the game as two characters. And you have like, it's a deck game. So you have a deck of cards for your character. And you go and you have to explore the, this world and find clues and deal with uh, monsters that, that arise and try to basically finish a plot before this the evil force finishes its plot. Mm. And it goes over the course of multiple games, so you get experience, you level up, you get allies. The story can take different paths depending on how, you, how well you did in the last one. I love it. I used to play... Like Final Fantasy and Diablo and StarCraft. I, I was like a early, you know, 2000s computer nerd. <laughs> and uh, like when, when you could first start playing games on the, online. Yeah. That, that moment, I remember it. It was in World, it was Warcraft 2. Uh, and I started, when I played first time online, I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> it, it was a whole new world. I had to get out of that world really in my 20s because. Otherwise, uh, you wouldn't would be listening to me today. I'd still be behind a computer screen <laughs> time. In an, alternative, in an alternative life, that's what I did. And there's a part of me that, like, hurts that I didn't do that in this life. But um, <laughs> for the best. Yeah, when we went to buy the Pandemic Legacy when we were in the U.S., you actually, we went into a board game shop and the guy who told us what games to buy and stuff, after that we went into the car and Alistair turned to me and he was like, you know, Sometimes I wish I could be that guy. He's just owning it. He just decided, like, you know what? No, I'm just going to sell board games. That's what I want to do. Yeah, he was one of those total nerd types, long hair, I think he had glasses. And he knew all the board games. He was super helpful. He helped us find good board games. He's a great guy. Yeah. And there was a part of me that wished that I had taken that path in life. Yeah. I think it would have been a lot of fun. Arkham Horror, I am conflicted about it. And uh, that's all I will say about it. But we're going to finish the campaign, right? I guess we have to. Okay. <laughs> On to the show. On to the show now. <laughs> so this week, we're talking about how we manage our finances as a couple. Yeah. That's something we've been wanting to record since we started the podcast. Mm -hmm. I think that was one of the OG topics when we even were just thinking about recording a podcast together. Yeah. It's actually really simple. Basically, we use a board. That's what I call it. What it is, is actually I have it right here. It's a piece of paper and it has just a few things on it. We just basically split everything down the middle in our life unless mm -hmm. said otherwise. So mm -hmm. that's the default unless we come to a different agreement. And we just write it on the board. So it's like if you spend 10 bucks on behalf of both of us, you write that I owe you $5 on the board. So there's three basic components. And we'll take a picture. So if you go to the show notes section of the podcast, you will see this. And we'll take a picture and we'll use that as the picture of the episode. So if you go to the faroutpodcast.com when this comes out, you can see what we're talking about. But basically, it's either A owes JR or JR owes A. And then there's a number. And in parentheses, buy it. So when we change that number, we cross it out, and right underneath it, we put the new number, and we put in parentheses the change and a note about what it was for. And then occasionally we put the date, just so we have an idea of where we are. Whenever it flips, so I start owing you money instead of you owing me money, we cross out the A owes JR and put JR owes A, or whatever. Yeah. It's a very simple system. But it's completely transparent, 
And it's allowed us not to think about money between us in that area at all. Mm-hmm. And so we want to talk a little bit more about how the board came to be, why we use it, and why we think it's awesome. Yeah. The board started, it's, it's something I started doing with my college roommates. It was the last year of college, so this was back in like 2009, 2008-2009. I had found a house and, con- and convinced five of my friends to live with me. So there were six of us living in a house off campus. This was going to be the party house. It was oh, going to be awesome. Oh, my God. This was, was San it? Diego State University. Yeah, it was until the cops shut us down and gave us a $1,000 fine per head. Oh, my God. Yeah. I actually wasn't there that night. I had I was working. Uh, I, I used to work concerts and shows at the local amphitheater. So I was doing staging for, like, Beyonce or something. <laughs> I think it was Beyonce. And I, she brought in 17 semi-trucks. So I was there, I was there till like, 3 in the morning <laughs> loading up her stupid trucks. I came back, and my buddies were in handcuffs, and the cops were outside. And one of them was, like, bawling in tears. It was a shit show. It did, was you, just... did you leave? Did you? <laughs> did... No, I wasn't there. So I just I walked in and went to bed. Oh, was... you did? Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. my God. I mean, there were shenanigans happening every night. So, like, this wasn't totally abnormal. I walked in and went to bed. I'm just picturing everyone, like, oh, no, please, Mr. Officer, please. No. One of them and ended was... up getting, like, arrested uh, oh. because cause he, he was kind of, like, getting upset and like making wild hand gestures and the, oh, and, and he's also like kind of anti-cop so the cop put him in cuffs <laughs> anyway that's that's neither here nor there okay one other thing on this i so at the end of the year uh, we ended up suing our landlord because he had, he made a business out of ripping off college students at the end of the year like he would damage the house after we left and then put in new stuff and uh, he was a really, one of those just kind of really dirtbag types. Ugh. And my friend and I, there were six of us, but my friend and I were just like, no, we're not going to have this. And we sued him and we took him to court. We ended up winning our case, at least parts of it. But I remember one thing was like we went into the court case. We were going to get this like very lenient judge. And then at the last second it changed and we got a hard ass. Ugh. And we're just like, oh. But... We went in, we stated our case, and the, one of the first things the judge said, she looked at us, I think she was like an older black woman or, or something, she was kind of like a motherly figure, she just kind of like sizes us up, and she's like, I think she took her glasses off, and she's like, what are you thinking to move in with five other guys <laughs> in a house? Are, are you guys out of your mind? What are you thinking? Just made us felt so stupid. Just like... That is a good question, though. That is a good yeah, question. Yeah, it was a good question. It was a crazy year, and uh, I wouldn't do it again. But the board came the board from came, it. <laughs> the board came out of this. So we had a problem. And it was mainly my like close friend and I who had the problem. There were six of us living in the house. and Well, there was basically seven. We had one guy who didn't live there, but basically lived there every day. You know, the classic. I, I know. We were having a problem because everyone was owing everyone money and it wasn't clear. And then like someone would be like, hey, you owe me 10 bucks. And you'd be like, oh, well, this guy owes me 10 bucks. So have him pay you. And it was just getting crazy. And this was worse for me. So I've always lent money to friends. Like I've always been the one with money and lending money to friends my entire life. Obviously, that was a problem for me. And my friend was in the same situation. But there was a- another complication, which is that. We had a business selling marijuana. <laughs> and all of our friends liked to smoke. Actually, it helped the business quite a bit. <laughs> but so they would all come in, you know, it'd be like, we'd be playing video games or whatnot. And someone coming like, hey, can I just get a little head changer? Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> that was like, slang, that was one of our friends slang for like, can, you know, can I get a, can I just, can I get a bowl? Or can, well, my other friend used to come and be like, can, can I just get a five spot? <laughs> A five spot, you know? And so, like, before long, everyone was owing us, like, 50, 100 bucks, yeah. you know? Yeah, and and we had a problem. So <laughs> Lucrative business. Yeah. <laughs> it kept inventory, you know, rotating. <laughs> My friend and I devised a plan for how we were going to deal with this because it was becoming a mess. So what we did was we put everyone's name on an X-axis and a Y-axis. And then we drew lines, like a checkerboard, basically. Uh, and then we crossed out half of them because it, each person would eventually have 
their name intersect with another person's name twice and we only needed one mm. and then we laminated this and we put it on the fridge and we got some like uh some erasable markers Whenever, who came up with this idea do you remember me and my friends oh, yeah. because it was our problem yeah yeah, yeah yeah so we so that was what we did so then whenever you borrowed money from someone someone went to the board and updated it and then it was easy to move debt around if you needed to. And the only rule was, don't give me Mark's debt. Uh. It, everyone knew Mark was never going to pay. And no one wanted it. That was bad debt. So you couldn't, you couldn't trade that. And it was not cool to give that away. But the rest of it was fine. And it worked really well. Between the seven of us, it, it was, you know, we, we had our issues. But that was pretty transparent. Wow. So it was great. Yeah, and I use that system with every roommate I've ever had since because it worked really well. You should have said that to the judge. That was pretty, uh, pretty like resourceful and mature of all of you seven college students. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think this is a good place to stop and just mention the power of simple systems. I think we underrate the value of things that seem very simple. Like this, this system that I just outlined is extremely simple, but practicing it actually putting it into application can be massively valuable and i think we look at it and say oh that's really easy i could do that but then we don't do it because yeah, like yeah. we think it needs to be complicated or sophisticated but no this was a great system and systems like this can reduce the amount of energy we need to we need we need It can reduce the amount of decisions we have to make and allow us to focus our energy and our decision-making power on things that are more important. When we have systems like this that we trust, that it really, we can let it go out of our mind. And that's really powerful. And I'm doing a lot more of this work lately, actually, because I'm starting to coach people around money. The whole premise, the whole program I'm taking through, people through is a system-based program. It's a system I came up with over the last 10 years I've seen time and time again the power of just introducing something. It does not have to be complicated. You just have to trust it. You have to take the time up front to design it, to think it through and make sure it's going to work so it's not half-assed. And if you do that, you save yourself so much thinking, so much energy, and so much pain down the road. Yeah, I think the reason people maybe don't implement that and I'm guilty of that too is that, yeah, you're right, there's the element of it is too simple And we're looking for something complicated, you know, like, oh, it's too simple. It can't solve this problem if it's too simple. But it's also the, it takes a little bit of effort to design it in the first place. But then once it's in place, you never have to think about it again. And this is what's happening with us in our relationship and the way we manage money together. Maybe one of the re reasons that these things are often resisted is you have to get everyone on board, mm -hmm. which means having a conversation about it. And if you and I have very different money views, maybe it's a very testy area or it's a place we haven't worked through, it's not so easy to implement the system because there's a lot of beliefs, values underneath mm. that have to be excavated ver first. Mm -hmm. And I've run up to this in other places too. For example, I spent a lot of time as a general manager in my previous life managing businesses, implementing systems in the business. And before you start, you have to really lay the groundwork with anyone who's going to be affected by the system. If mm -hmm. you want them to embrace it, you have to, first off, talk to them about it, tell them why you think it's going to help, and understand what their concerns might be. Mm -hmm. yeah. And be clear about it. And if you don't have buy-in, you can have a great system, but it's not going to work because everyone's not going to participate in it. And I think this is probably a good place to mention like how different the money management used to be in our previous relationship and that's not to say like any specific relationship but the way that we think about money together is very different than anything i've experienced before yeah it's been a breath of fresh air in a lot of ways i mean there's some common problems that i've run up to in relationships in the past when uh without this kind of system in place. Because although I had this board idea with roommates, I never transferred it over into my romantic life. And I kind of wish I had. Mm. It never really went said. Like, there was no real arrangement. There was kind of something that you started doing, and so you kept doing that. But, you know, we would go to dinner, and there's always a question of who pays. I never really 
everyone's got different everyone's got different are coming from different places with this and and think about it differently but i never really bought into the whole like okay maybe you know you want to take a girl out in the beginning yeah maybe pay for the first dinner or whatnot but when you're in a relationship that's not really a practical way to go especially if you're kind of broke Mm -hmm. as i was for a lot of my dating years i just i didn't really resonate with it or you know i think made sense to to split things most of the time there was that question of who's going to pay are you going to pay this time and and a lot of times this question happens in your head you're mm-hmm. trying to figure it out you're trying to test the water is it okay well i paid the last two times maybe you should pay this one or if i'm going to pay maybe you shouldn't have got the uh sirloin steak you know <laughs> like what the hell I, i'm a little cheap maybe i don't know like yeah i don't think i don't think it has to do with cheap i think for me I I resonate with what you're sharing. Obviously, I come from a different perspective because A, I'm from Europe, and B, I'm a woman. By the way, just a a note on this. Europeans are so much easier around this than Americans, in my experience. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, Americans, American women and money, oh, it's just, it's much easier, in my experience, with Europeans. They're much more laid back about it. Yeah, I think it's fair that it's, like, probably more loaded in the U.S., I, I don't know, but it's, it is loaded everywhere, that question and, like, your level of comfortability around, around money and, and all things money-related definitely depends on your upbringing and your culture and stuff. I have always been very independent around money. My thing around it was I, I didn't like that it wasn't clear. I was always very clear around money and I don't have a problem talking numbers. I understand why there's a problem and it is a touchy subject. You have to approach it with care because a lot of uh, our value and worth is linked to the money. So it's like, oh, if he doesn't invite me, does that mean that I'm not worth that much? But I, it, So you have to be careful how you approach it. But I always wanted it to be clear. And for some reason, my past relationships, the ones where money could be an issue or where we had to talk about it, was always unclear. It was always weird and different than me than how I viewed it and uh, I remember this this one time that is just like really an example of how unclear and strange things could get I was with this with this man for a year and we didn't know I, I never knew what his position around money was and I never knew he gave off the vibe that he should pay for things because he was the man which weirds me out because um, I, I can pay I'm, I'm earning money I, I can pay for myself you know like why but at the same time I'm also brought into this culture where it's like oh he wants to pay he wants to invite me that's kind of nice so I would never know if he was actually gonna pay or not when we went out it was never said so I never knew I never knew if I could order the really expensive stuff or not <laughs> so it was uh-huh. and then one time we went out and he was super clear I'm gonna pay for this I, I believe it was like a celebration of some sort I can't remember maybe my birthday I don't know but he said like I'm gonna pay I got this I'm happy to pay man we went to the restaurant next to my apartment. I got I got super, like, I didn't get crazy, but I got the thing that's worth two more euros than I usually get. <laughs> that's how I get crazy. It's I get just a little too much, two more euros. That is living on the wild side. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At the end of the meal, he went up to the uh, bar to pay, came back, and he was like, all right, all set, let's go. And we we were on the terrace of the restaurant. And so it was like a nice summer evening or something. And we started walking back to my apartment. And as we exited the restaurant, I heard this voice behind us like, hey, hey. And and it was the restaurant manager. He hadn't paid. And we were leaving. This was my neighbor restaurant. Like they knew me. I went to this place every day. And I looked at him. I was like, you didn't pay? And he said, no, my card didn't work. I was like, why didn't you tell me? I could have paid. <laughs> no, no, he didn't tell me. And, and I had to do the walk of shame of not only not having paid, but being the stupid ass woman whose boyfriend didn't pay. And like, it was, it's like, you say you're going to pay and then you don't pay. What the hell is this? And then you put me in this strange position. So that's kind of the kind of story that I have to illustrate how unclear things can get and how taboo it is. I have to say, I love it when I hear you talking numbers. <laughs> 
I hear you on the on the phone with your clients talking numbers and <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Gets Thank me you. all excited. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been uh, I've been, I I've been told more than once that I'm great because I'm a cheap date. And I was supposed to take this as an offense, but then when people told me this, I was like, hell yeah, I'm a cheap date. I work very hard to be a cheap date. I don't drink very much. I always pick the not as much, not the most expensive thing. I'm very money conscious. So I don't, for me and the other people. I, I think one of the problems often is that there is no transparency. We end up keeping score in our heads mm-hmm. and each person has a different tally. And of course, we pay attention to different things. And so we start to create our own stories financially about what's happening. You have one. I have one. They're never shared. They're not out in the open. So we can't check them for accuracy, adjust them, do all the things that we can do with a board. So these stories go on. And over time, we end up living in different realities around that topic. And that tends to lead to feelings of not being appreciated, leads to, for me, it led to feelings of resentment at times. I always hated when it happened. As a guy, I think it happens a fair amount where you get into these forced into these situations where it seems like social etiquette and just expectation is that you should pay. Mm. So you end up giving when it's kind of like squeezed out of you Mm -hmm. it's not like you didn't do it out of your own will you did it because you were required to which is not giving that's something else i always hated when that happened because when i give it's not that i don't want to give it's just that i want to give out of my own will otherwise it's not a gift i gotta say i really like it the way you're as money conscious as i am (laughs) Yeah, I think we found each other. Yeah, yeah, we are. We are. For that, that, and that is just a breath of fresh air. But it's important to talk about these things because women and men grow up in two different kind of, with different stories. Mm-hmm. Like women get this story that, oh, the man should spend on you. This is how, you know, you're being valued. Mm-hmm. Like there's that kind of story, whether we like it or not, that's in our, that's in our society. And for men, it's the opposite. It's like, oh, you know, like to be a man, you need to be able to provide for your woman yeah. I think these stories are breaking down a little bit in the modern world because, well, for a lot of reasons, and they, they just don't really make sense or work. Yeah. But one thing I remembered happening a lot is that asking if we could split it or stuff, you, you the, as a guy, ended up making me feel like I was being cheap, mm. you know, instead of, but it, it seemed reasonable. Yeah. When for me, this has always been my default setting. I actually, t- I err on the side of me paying than asking the like assuming the guy is gonna pay i don't know i don't know where this comes comes from but i've i'm very independent around money and i really don't know where this comes from i know where it comes from for me my dad Uh, (laughs) bert (laughs) so the reason this kind of came to be for us too is that yes we have the same money mindset but at the beginning we didn't know this it's not like we started having a relationship and we talked about this right away although kind of i mean from day one we were living together pretty much because we were traveling together so we were sharing rooms it's always cheaper to share one room and i was not gonna why would we have two rooms if we're together and we're traveling newly found lovers you know you know you don't want to have two rooms it came to be for us that we were spending money every day together and it just made a lot of sense. I think at first we were clumsily trying to like pay for each our meals, but we were going to super cheap places in Asia and we never had the change to pay each our meals. and So really early on, you talked about the board. I can't remember exactly when we started it, but we started the board and it's been amazing ever since. And I think right now we're on to our like maybe board number seven or eight, which is not that much if you think about how much we've spent since we've been together. And we have had it in, I think, five different currencies. It's pretty remarkable too, considering how many, when we were traveling, we had to make multiple financial transactions that involved both of us every day. And the board has made it so that we have never had a financial issue around mm-hmm. that ever, which is amazing. In two years, yeah, we hardly ever have to think about this. We think about money a lot, but we don't think about this aspect of it at all. Yeah, because there's a default. We know, okay, anything. Whenever we're going to make a decision that around spending, unless someone talks about it, and this happens, 
we're going to split it down the middle. Mm -hmm. That's just the default. So that's where we start from. And then if we need to change it, then, then we will. Yeah, and I think maybe this is a great point that it doesn't necessarily have to be about, oh, we're splitting everything down the middle and that's the way everyone should do it. There is a case to be, to be made about find what your default setting is. Find what it is that with your partner you feel comfortable doing. Maybe, you know, if like the woman is a stay-at-home, of course the, the default setting is not going to be we split everything, everything in the middle if the woman's not making any income. Find the default setting and then don't think about it again. Yeah. It's it's stop it's to it's to have a clear conversation about what it is and then all the decisions are pretty much made and you can obviously shift from that and say no I want to pay for this in totality or I think you should pay for that because that's yours but Overall, we don't have to make a decision, and that's the beauty of this. That is the beauty of this, is that we don't have to make any decisions. And it allows us to think about it ahead of time. We can think about it in this way, so we can think further ahead because we know what to expect. Mm -hmm. There's another great reason for this system, which is that there's no, I got this one, you get the next one. <sighs> that's just a crappy approach. In my, it's never worked very well for me because they don't add up. And for me, unfortunately, I'm like a walking calculator. Uh, numbers are my thing. Yeah. And I know when they don't add up. And over time, if that continues, it leads to feelings of being mistreated or, yeah. you know, of resentment, where the other person might not even realize it's ever even happening. It might, because they don't even think about money at all like that. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem, is that it fuses two different approaches to money in an unhealthy way because it's not spoken about. If you're going to share your finances with someone in some way other than a one or two time thing, it needs to be spoken about in the beginning because you have very different backgrounds. And a good example of this was one of my early girlfriends. She, I, I came from a family where my dad taught me about money and I was raised with that. I was given a pocket allowance. I, I started getting allowance at the age of six. Mm. I was learning about saving. My dad simulated the stock market when I was eight. No. I was buying Disney shares at eight because <laughs> Pixar was coming out and it was going to be huge. And it was. Uh, good investment, eight-year-old Alistair. This just continued throughout my whole life. And then I was dating a wonderful woman at the time, but she had no financial education and her parents were lousy with money her mom was a shopaholic and kind of an emotional spender her family just didn't have a lot of money mm. and but they were spending like they did mm. she was brought up with this some days it's here some days it's not sometimes she'd just get a lot of money for no reason yeah. other days there'd be none so for her there was no like planning around it was like well money will be there when it comes and it's going to come from some outside source. And for me, I was like, no, I plan and I, I arrange, I manage my money. Mm -hmm. And that's how it's going to be there. Yeah. It created a lot of problems in our relationship. Yeah, I think both views have are legitimate. Like, not no views is the actual like reality, but because you have such different ones, they were you so needed there was such to, a contrast yeah, between the yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what's hard. You it leads to a lot of misunderstanding if it's not spoken about, and if you don't figure out how. Okay, we're coming from these two different places. How are we going to relate together? Yeah, yeah. And we know. I mean, we were young. We never did that. Of course, it's it's so. I mean, even for older people, it's hard to do. It's a hard conversation to have because it is it feels very tender yeah and it can go into some uncomfortable places because money is always attached to feelings of value and self-worth and and it's it's tricky yeah. so you do have to dive in the weeds and you and there are some emotional conversations to have around this but i feel like they are so worth having and i think what you said about like there's no i got this one you got the next I love that because even though I don't think I'm a human calculator, like I'm not as good with numbers as you are, I am very conscious when I owe money or when someone owes me money. That will never leave me. I'm like a Lannister, you know, like <laughs> I always pay my debt and I don't want to be in any debt. That's like, that's my main thing. I was talking about you, about this with you the other day. I don't think I've ever been in debt more than 100 euros. And I don't even know if I've ever been in debt, period. Maybe like a, a 20 here, but like that never happened. 
I'm very conscious of this. And so I know that I will add up in my head those things. And as you said, then like the realities don't match. And I think this is why the board is so amazing for us because it's like, instead of having the board in my head with all the miscalculations that that could imply, we have it on paper. Yeah, and it's there's a there. place you and I can both go to and look at. There's an objective reality yeah. where we can see exactly what the situation is. Yeah, it's And great. we have a record. So if we made mistakes in the past, we can go back and fix them. And I think also something interesting to point out is that the board doesn't mean that we're always trying to be even. It's just a way to keep track because, like, for instance, right now, you owe me money on the board. But because we're going to go to the U.S. and in the U.S. it makes more sense for you to pay this summer, I know that it will be evened out then. So it's not like we're keeping a score and we have to make sure by the end of the month everything is finished and tied up. It can go over. It's just we don't have to think about it. And another example of it not being even is when we go to the grocery store. We buy different things. Mm -hmm. And when we get back, we look at the receipt and we figure that out. Yeah. And then we add it to the board. It's just a good practice to have. Because we had the board, it forces us to deal with our accounts immediately as well. Mm -hmm. And the board saves a lot of effort because, especially when we were traveling, this was a problem where no one, you know, we never had the exact change. You got change back, but it wasn't always something you could split. Having a board just makes it really easy. It's just a number and it goes back and forth. And as long as you trust that system, you don't have to worry about it. Another thing I love about the board is that it makes a gift actually a gift. We still give each other things, but it gets to be completely intentional because we have this default that we split. And so whenever I want to do otherwise, I can choose to and I can say, hey, you know what? This doesn't go on the board. This is a gift. Mm -hmm. And we do do that. I find this a much more satisfying way to give, and I think it's a much more satisfying way to receive because it's completely intentional. It's completely chosen. There's no, it's not pulled out of me. A good example of this is recently, I, with my business taking off, you've been helping me so much with it so much and uh, giving me advice and always being able and and like available to review things before I send them and just amazing and so I had been thinking that when I get my first paycheck some of it is going to go to Alistair as a token of my appreciation for this and I knew obviously that I couldn't pay you for your coaching services like the actual fee but I still wanted to give you a little gift around this and it felt really nice to do yeah and and it, it was really nice I appreciated it and you wrote it on the board yeah <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it never actually exchanged yeah. it just was on the board yeah one other reason why I think we both love this because obviously by now you get the picture we're both very frugal and we're very money conscious we think about money a lot this is one of the reasons why I knew I loved you very early on was I've never met a woman who could kind of match me on this on this <laughs> <laughs> this plane of thought. But you know, I've never met a man who could match me on this plane of thought either, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because for many, this is not not a plus. Uh, you know? <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's like we say money conscious. A lot of people would say cheap. <laughs> We're money conscious. We're And this goes to that because when we manage our expenses as individuals, there's groupthink that happens. You know, there's the example of which I, we both of us loathe the situation, which is when you get in a situation at a bar where there's a bunch of you and it's just expect everyone's paying for a round, right? And you know who benefits from that? The bar owner. And you know who doesn't? You, when you wake up in the morning and you have a massive hangover and you have a bill that you don't even remember spending. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. The whole thing sucks. I didn't want to drink that much. Yeah. You know? And and this is obviously a bit of an exaggeration, but I think we're not as critical with what we're spending because it's hard to do the math and also it's socially not really possible. So... We become looser around it when we manage group accounts versus mm. individual accounts. When I know when we spend things that half of it I'm responsible for, I think about it because I'm, I'm, I'm responsible for it. So I think about it much more critically. Mm -hmm. And I think we also avoid here 
the freeloader temptation, which I am definitely not immune to. Yeah. Which is when someone else is paying, you maybe go for that extra side of fries that yeah, you wouldn't yeah, have gotten yeah, on your own, yeah, you know, because yeah. someone else is paying. And that tends to, over time, escalate yeah. on both sides. <laughs> yeah. And there's the not communicating about it. So there's like certain feelings that happen. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think the quality of the relationship suffers because of that. But also you both end up spending more than you would have mm-hmm. if you managed your own accounts over time. You're not getting away with anything. It's costing you more. Yeah. And I know we've said this before in different ways, but I just want to really pound on it because I don't think I understood the value of this before. The value of not having any decisions to make is amazing. This is only striking me now. It's There's so much energy that goes into making decisions, even micro decisions like who should pay for a frozen yogurt bowl or whatever. There's so much energy that goes into that. And I don't know about you people out there, but I want my energy to go towards things that are more important to me. This, I think, is the bigger picture of what we're talking about and about having good systems in your life. It's about energy management. I think ultimately it's a spiritual question. Mm -hmm. Where do I want to spend my life force? And I don't want to spend it on thinking about who should pay for the frozen yogurt. It's stupid. There's another level of this, which is that once there starts to become a miscommunication, there's so there's the decision you have to make every time. That's one round of energy. There's the mental math you're making in your head to keep this all straight. That's two. And then there are the communication issues that come up over time inevitably because this isn't transparent. Uh-huh. And that can be the biggest drain. Yes. Uh, and that can, that can end a relationship. It does all the time. Another thing I've noticed happen in the past is that if I don't know there's a clear arrangement, I won't offer to do things. Yes. Especially if I know that I'm probably going to be on the hook for it or it's going to be an unclear situation that's going to make me uncomfortable. If I'm not going to feel good about it, then I'm not going to suggest we do it. For example, let's go with the Froyo thing. If I know that the last two times I felt awkward at the end and had to pay because we didn't talk about it, I'm not going to offer to go out to Froyo a third time, even if I want to, and Mm. even if you might want to, too, because we haven't figured out the financial part of it. I think we end up doing more things together as a result. I think this is a good place to make the slight difference between being money conscious and cheap. When I hear you talk, your issue with this whole Froyo thing is not that you're going to have to pay for a bowl of Froyo that's not yours to eat for the third time in a row. That's not about that money that's coming out. Although that is part of it, but that's not about that. It's about why would I want to offer to do something if it's supposed to be a fun thing and then at the end there's this this awkwardness. For me, it has more to do about this. Being money conscious, it's more I'm clear around what I believe around money and how I want money to be managed in my life for me and for my day-to-day life and this has nothing nothing to do with wanting to hoard my money because I'm actually pretty generous and sometimes I'm like oh god are you really gonna do that and spend all that money on someone I like doing that I can vouch for her it's true (laughs) I don't want to have this awkwardness where it's not clear it's the unclarity lack of clarity around it that bothers me I think you're right. I think it's an authenticity thing. I want to be authentic in my actions. And sometimes I feel like I get into these weird contortions where I'm not able to or I'm acting differently than I would like to. And I don't like that. It's an intention thing. I want to act with intention. I don't want to do things just because or out of expectation or without thinking about it. That other kind of system, when it's not spoken about, when it's not transparent, doesn't allow for a lot of intention when we arrange it this way, everyone wins because it's clear you get to be intentional about the way you spend money on yourself and on others. Mm-hmm. And that everyone benefits from that. Mm-hmm. I can vouch for how uh, generous you are too. And maybe we end this conversation on kind of open-ended question that we've been thinking about over the last few months is, How are we going to keep managing our money, A, when we're married, and B, as we're 
earning money, which is really new for us. Originally, we thought the real question was around getting married, that it had something to do with that. But as we've been looking at it more and more, we realized that really the issue is income. We're both starting to make an income. And that hadn't been the case for the last two years. So the last two years, we've only had to figure out how we spend money together for the most part, not how we earn money together. And the earning part is actually a, quite a bit more complicated for us at the moment. We're a little less sure how to do it because you have a business where you're earning money. I have a business where I'm earning money. And we have businesses together where we're going to earn money together. And the lines are not even that clear because we are both involved in each other's businesses. We're trying to figure out, okay, well, what does that mean? You know, we want to have the feeling where we're on the same team, mm -hmm. especially on the income side where each person's covered because maybe you have a long 10-hour day and that day I'm doing all the household chores or vice versa. Or maybe today I need you to look over my website copy or my blog and tomorrow you need help thinking about how to approach a client. Yeah, and I think we're also looking at a life where maybe a month I earn a lot of money and then the next month maybe a little less and same for you. And I think we want both to feel like there's a safety net that we're creating together for our little family of two. Yeah, you know? we want to feel like a team and that we want to feel like we're going in the same place together. But there's another aspect of this, which is that we both want to continue to have our freedom. Mm -hmm. And I think we're both pretty set on the fact, in fact, we just went to a, a lawyer, a, a notary is what they're called. I didn't know that this what a like high-level lawyer in France is called, a notary, because <laughs> in the U.S., a notary is someone who just like rubber stamps a piece of paper and says, hey, I saw you sign this, and it costs like 50 bucks a time. So we went to a notary, and that's what I thought we were doing after the meeting, because we needed to set our accounts. Basically, we've opted by French law, because we're getting married in France. So we're going with French law, and that will be the law in any country we go to. That's basically the document we're having signed, mm -hmm. is that we want to do it this way, and that every country will recognize it because we put it in French law. Yeah. And that is that we have separate accounts. And I mean, to be clear, it's not just like separate bank accounts, because we can still have joint bank accounts. It's just that in France, when you get married, the default is that everything you had before you got married is still yours, like separate. And everything you buy after you get married is common. 50-50. Yeah, 50-50. Even if I pay for all of it, then like, let's say we buy a house, I pay for all of it. It's still Alistair's house at 50%, which we both don't feel really comfortable with. No, it's a stupid way to do it. We would much rather go into it where... When we have those big purchases, we make an agreement mm -hmm. about them based on the situation. Because mm -hmm. we can see a lot of situations where it doesn't make sense to split things 50-50 and we want to have that freedom. There's another aspect of it, which is that we are both running businesses and we want to limit our liability to the other partner uh, coming from business. Yes. So we went to a notary to have this put in law. And I thought, oh, all right, like. You know, we'll just get this stamped. I kind of walked in like, okay, whatever, man. Like, just stamp this thing. Let's do it. We come out, and you tell me it's going to be like 500 euros. 400. 400 yeah. freaking euros for like a 30-minute conversation, which basically was like, hi, here's my name. Here's the passport we need, and and make this happen. I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So we're signing the papers in I almost had a, a heart week. attack. Yeah. We didn't give the money yet, but I think Alistair is going to, like, keep the, you know, like, the, try to not give the bills away. Paying a French lawyer 400 euros <laughs> just to have this this contract written up that's, like, boilerplate. God. The French system, sometimes it gets me. <laughs> He was so upset when we came out of the appointment. I didn't tell him right away because the guy came in and he was like, okay, this will be 400 euros around. And uh, and so I said, oh, okay. And uh, I kept it. And then I tried to wait for a more appropriate moment to tell Alistair, but I couldn't tell, I couldn't keep it long enough. And we just got on the parking lot. I was like, boy, Alistair, you're gonna freak when you hear how much we're gonna have to pay. <laughs> It's good you didn't tell me in the office because I would have, I would have freaked and I would have like, I would have tried to flip his table, but his table was so big. <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to do it. It would have been embarrassing for everybody. 
And then we went shopping and he spent the next hour and a half telling me that I should look online and make sure that we were not getting ripped off and maybe this is not standard. Isn't somebody else capable of signing this paper with us? Come on, let's find a cheaper way to do this. Oh, man. And so, no, for all of you wondering, it is the cheapest way to do to do it. We know we want to keep spending this way. That's what we feel comfortable with. We, we want to have the individual freedom to make our own choices. Yes. And to work things out together as a couple in the ways that make the most sense. Mm-hmm. But we don't know how to handle the income that's coming in because it's not always clear who's earning it. And it's not always clear how we should think about it Yes. as a team. I go back and forth in the same day in the morning. I'll be like, let's just pull everything together. By noon, I'm like, no, I'm working for this money. I'm spending all the hours. It should be mine and mine only. (laughs) My precious. And then by the end of the day, I'm like, maybe we just do like 20% goes to a pool of money for everyone. And then 80% just goes to, I don't know. I feel very conflicted. But the bottom line is we want to keep spending this way. And I think we want to figure out a way that feels comfortable for both of us and all the parts of us that we are a team, but that we're also still individual people. So... If you have thoughts on this, you should email us. Yeah. Uh, maybe you're married already or, you know, it, we'd be interested in hearing other people's ideas or how other people have approached and managed this. That's actually been already super helpful to have other people kind of chime in on this. So if you feel so inclined, we'd love to hear your thoughts. So I think this is a good place to stop. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Far Out Podcast. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this conversation, keep in mind that uh, Alistair is the main brain behind this entire system that is making our financial life easy. And you're starting to work with clients and you're getting really good results right now. And so if any of you out there is interested in implementing systems in their life to make their financial situation easier and to achieve their goals faster, Alistair can really help on this and so the best way to contact you is we'll put Alistair's information in the show notes and you can find the show notes on our beautiful website which is thefaroutpodcast.com yep and if you've enjoyed this episode please subscribe and if you haven't already leave a review we'd love to hear what you think about it and every review helps tremendously in growing the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you think someone else might benefit from it, just spread the word and share it with your friends. Yeah. Grassroots, baby. Grassroots. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think that was it. I think that's it. All right. Toodles. Toodles. Toodles.